Storm Bowling Products, the bowler's company, presents the Collegiate Spotlight with Coach K. Storm's technical director, Steve Klimkin, also known as Coach K, and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce you to a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us now in the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is Del Warren. Dell is a USBC Gold Level coach. He is the vice president of the Kegel Training Center, and he's also the head coach of the Weber men's bowling team. Dell, Coach K, Steve Klemkin, and Tim Burke, thanks for joining us today. Well, I appreciate you uh, having me, and uh, you guys do a great job, and uh, we're excited about talking about our favorite subject, right, bowling. Bowling, exactly. We'll talk about what you do down there at a college called Weber International and the Weber Bowling Program. That's all you guys. You draw a ton of people. You draw people from overseas to bowl with you guys. But just talk about what it means to you to have these young people and to bring them in and have them bowl at your college. Well, I'll start personally. I, it's the best thing I've ever done. It's the best thing I've ever been involved with. Um, coaching these guys. It's more satisfying than, than winning on tour. Um, just to see them grow up and um, be part of our program at Kegel, um, just get so fulfilling, uh, not just for me, but for Coach Randy, my wife. You know, we don't have any children, and this is really, they become our kids and part of the family. So um, it's really fulfilling there. And, you know, from a standpoint of bowler development, it's, um, it's real interesting because we do, the people think that we just get great bowlers. And I will tell you that two thirds of them average, you know, probably 180 really on a sport condition because most high school programs, if not all of them, you know, they compete on a half shot. And when you're bowling, uh, you know, for intercollegiate, you know, we don't see half shots. So uh, their average is, you know, based on a house condition and we bowl on some pretty tough stuff and uh, a variety of things. So, Really, we get a we really get a kind of a crockpot full of different skill levels, all the way down from 150 average to, you know, uh, occasionally we'll get uh, some uh, some of the elite guys. But really, our program is really about bowling development, and uh, seeing them in each bowler has kind of their plan set forth within the system. And we got people that really need to work on fundamentals, and we got people that really need to work on understanding lane play and transition and being confident with switching balls and not just having the coach tell them what to do. And then of course, everyone needs, um, assistant on the mental game and, uh, to see each one of them grow from where they started. Um, especially when you see a breakthrough as a coach and we're with them all the time. Um, this is kind of what we do. And when you see a breakthrough in the area that they really needed help, and they kind of just did it through your instruction, but they do all the hard work and boom, you go to a tournament and you see that, man, that is, that is so cool. What, uh, now what you're talking about player development and, and, you know, part of that, uh, topic, I'm assuming that you'd mentioned a little bit, you know, developing their, the physical game or developing their, maybe their, uh, uh, their classroom, you know, habits and study habits and that kind of stuff. What, what, what do you, what different aspects uh, of the sport and of this player development do you enjoy uh, the most working on them with? Probably the mental side. Um, because that, that, that everyone has junk that they bring with them, just junk stuff that, 
you know, that is hindering them from really getting to the next level. And, and, and especially, you know, we get their physical game pretty good in a, in a pretty short period of time um, with the drills that we do and what we teach. Um, and if they're diligent about it, you know, we'll get them, you know, good timing and a good swing pretty fast. Um, but then they have to develop the skill that everyone needs help on the mental side. So I really enjoy spending time with them, um, directing them to different places like YouTube and different books and stuff. Um, and we, we spend every week, we spend a segment in the classroom with an assignment, um, really trying to develop their brains and really be able to, you know, every, every athlete wants to be able to come through when it matters most, right? be able to be the pressure guy and uh, there's an awful lot of junk that everybody brings with them that they, they kind of have to sit through. And, you know, Dr. Dean uh, Hennings has helped me with that um, personally, you know, to be able to teach it a little bit better, understanding it. Um, I've, 20 years ago, I had a background. I did a lot of Tony Robbins research stuff and uh, just ongoing education. And that really, when you see someone that has been struggling in areas of just being able to execute and deal with stress. And um, it's really also, once you have those breakthroughs, you really see it also in the school because they gain a lot more confidence in themselves and and, um, being able to deal with, um, you know, a little stressful situations here and there and they don't panic uh, quite as much and it's not as big an ordeal and they learn to work through it. That's what I get um, most gratification about because it's, you know, there's not too many people out there working on this stuff. And uh, uh, so it's 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 a little bit of a newer area for me in terms of bowling. And uh, so it keeps me refreshed and energized. And uh, uh, it's really cool, especially when you see eight individuals where your program come together and they get on the same page and they're working in the same area on the mental game and they share ideas. That, that's pretty powerful. And, and sometimes handling stress, like when you need a shot, uh, you know, to to win a, a match or a, a title or something like that. Even just remembering to breathe is important, right? I mean, that seems like it's one of the first things that goes is you, you forget that you have to inhale and exhale, you know, calm that the heart rate down a little bit even. Well, sure, certainly. And, you know, you have to practice that stuff. Um, you have to practice situational stuff. You have to really it's about in the preparation um, and getting them ready so they know what they're going to face. And, and as much preparation as you do, when you're getting ready to, you know, bowl another top school in a critical situation, um, you know, their ability to kind of say, well, I don't have to bowl better. You know, we just have to do what we do, regardless of who, we, who we're bowling. And uh, I think that's key. And uh, I have to tell you, I went to our first year in college, we were getting ready, and I and I kind of learned this from uh, Coach V um, at Wichita State, and um, I told him this story because he kind of growled at me because of my comment, and we were just starting. We hadn't started the program yet. We had just announced it, and it just so happens that we were at the Team Masters, and I was doing a seminar, and he was doing a seminar. His seminar was called Weeds, and it was about you know getting pretty much getting the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus, how will tell how somebody's a weed, et cetera. And he was talking about his program. So I said, so, you know, and he talks about them doing what they do regardless. And I said, so when you're going to bowl a rival like Nebraska, you, you know, you don't do anything. You don't get up for your rival. He goes, I said, we do what we do. 
<laughs> and I, you know, I, I really got the point. And I was, you know, this rookie college coach. Uh, we'd never coached college before. And um, team bol- team coaching had probably at that time, you know, had the least amount of experience. But I really got his message um, perfectly clear. And so within your culture of your program, you have what you do. And getting the kids focused on, you know, preparing for that and really getting ready for really anything that happens in the tournament and then staying, um, I have a saying called 80%. We want to fly at 80%, no matter what happens. And occasionally, if we need to go to 100, 110, it's, we're there for a very short time, period of time, but we don't want to go emotionally or physically. You know, we want to just cruise like an airplane. You know, once an airplane gets to 37,000 feet, it doesn't have to use as much energy as it did to get there. So we just want to cruise regardless, and we just want to do what we do. And uh, the emotion part kind of takes care of itself. Um, but really training for that, the process of going through that, and every year your program gets different, that's that's kind of a, a really challenging and fun journey. And to see them grow like that is to me is the most fun, and I get a lot of satisfaction from that. So, Dell, we have a lot of high school bowling coaches who listen to these podcasts. What's uh, some advice you maybe have for them that'll that'll help you guys down the road, so you're not fixing some some little hiccup, so to speak, in people's games right off the bat? Or is it just you know, is it more practice? Is it tougher conditions? Is it um, spares? Any of that sort of thing that comes to <laughs> top? Yes, of head? yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Well, I think number one, you you have to be able to maximize. Every state is different when it comes to the rules of high school bowling. So in a lot of states, you, you know, you have a very limited amount of time where the coaches can, can be with their students. So you have to maximize the time that you have with them. And you really, at that stage, you really want to focus on fundamentals because, you know, we think of fundamentals in a, in a fundamental, you know, just in a, in a way that, yeah, of course you have the fundamentals. But today in the bowling environment, the bowling environment says that I have to be able to do certain things to maximize the margin of error. And the environment is everything. So without certain swing planes, without certain timing, you can't open the lane up. And you're going to be in a part of the lane where you're not going to be able to keep up with the the scoring pace. So fundamentals are the key. Maximizing your time. Developing a culture where it says this is what we do. and, um, And making sure that you're communicating that culture on a daily basis, whether you're putting up you're saying some, you're repeating it every day. Everybody knows what you're going for. Everybody knows what it means to be a Weber warrior. They can tell you. And, uh, and then finally, you know, what you just got on spares. Um, today's junior bowlers coming up. I mean, let's face it. I mean, reactive balls have been around now for 20 years. Um, the house shots are really not, don't resemble sport. In a lot of ways, house shots allow you to not really have good fundamentals. So, um, you know, developing those players for the long term um, and, and really emphasizing correct sparsity. I see kids come in, and the reason why they're not good at spares is because of the way they approach their spare shooting, not shooting at the correct angles so that they get the most margin of error. Some of the things that drive me crazy is shooting a three six ten up eighteen. You know, every coach has their thing. When I see that, it drives me nuts because you need angle to create margin of error. 
We actually teach some of our kids. We have a backup drill. Everybody does. Um, for the kids that are really good at backup, that's how they shoot that spare. Because we want a uh, we want an ang- we want a curve that's going to allow that ball to hit the three pin anywhere and not chop that spare. But shooting it up eighteen is just a strategy for disaster because if you turn your thumb just a little bit, you're going to chop the spare, and there's not a lot of angle to it, even when you're throwing plastic bowling balls. So the technique. I would also discourage plastic balls from spare shooting because it allows you to have that technique. And I would encourage them because of we see more short patterns today. A lot of high school kids want to bowl junior gold and team masters. They need to buy a urethane ball anyway. So for a super dead reactive ball, it's a great place for something, you know, that, that has uh, kind of worn itself out. Um, and it will teach them to go low axis of rotation and not spin the ball with a plastic ball so that when they're trying to control their axis rotation, a, a plastic ball to me is teaching them that it's allowing them to get away with bad habits. And that will increase their skill level in other areas as well. well you, you definitely bring up some good points there. And as far as, and I remember in speaking with uh, Richie Allen or Dick Allen as he goes by now, but speaking with him a, a, quite a few years ago, and we were actually talking just a little bit about how he approaches shooting the baby split in the 310. And for him, I, I can guarantee you he would agree with you 100% because he said in his mind when he shoots that spare specifically, he almost tries to approach it as he's shooting uh, double wood, like it would be a two-way. Like he tries to get so much angle going across the lane that he almost envisions that that 10-pin is behind the 3-pin. You know, so that's just kind of interesting that you, that you brought that up about between shooting a, a spare like that up 18 versus actually using a much more angle at that. Hey, I've got a, I've got a question for you, Del. Now, you know, college bowling and high school bowling, uh, they definitely seem to be thriving. The numbers are up. There's a lot of participants, a lot of excitement. Junior gold has been, has been really uh, developing and, and attracting a lot of, uh, a lot of our younger players, but league play, you know, that number has been going down consistently for the last 30 seven years or so. Why, in your opinion, is that happening, and does that make you nervous for the future of our sport as far as the league numbers, or are you, do you feel positive for it, just given the fact that high school bowling and competitive youth tournaments are thriving? Well, I, <laughs> that's, a, that's a, you know, how much time do we have, you know? Um, I'll try to keep this as short. It kind of the cliff notes, cliff notes version, if you can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it really concerns me. You know, I work for Kegel. Um, you know, John Davis, um, produced all his products because there was a need in the industry. And, uh, you know, um, certainly, uh, I see many of the college stars quit because they have nowhere to go. They don't want to bowl league. It's not competitive. Um, to me, league bowling is not a game. Uh, you know, it's, I quit, I quit it because, um, you know, it just wasn't fun because I was getting beat by people that, you know, weren't as accurate as me. And, you know, I'd have a night where I'd shoot 640 and hit the pocket every time. And, you know, I'd get beat by 700 and a guy spraying it all over the place. Um, I think it's getting old for a lot of people, to be honest with you, um, because the, the scoring, the recognition, which used to be huge, is not the same thing. When people shoot 300, they hardly clap. It, you know, mm-hmm. shooting an honor score has to be a bigger deal, in my opinion. So, in my opinion, USBC, if they would start to verify scores again by checking lanes and making sure that uh, they're verifying something and 
slightly change the rules over time, and I'm not saying overnight, that you could develop credibility again. That's number one. Um, number two, um, I think that dropping the four-man teams would help, or even three-man teams. I think you know, having five on a team, people just don't like to wait that long. And it's a much faster world, there's no doubt about it. But you know, if you look at most tournaments, they're, they're putting maximum three on a lane or six on a pair. Matter of fact, most of them are five on a pair. It's faster. People don't want to wait an hour and 15 minutes to bowl one game. And uh, you see that all the time. So um, I'm, I'm really concerned. And, you know, I've talked to Chad and um, some other people, some of my former colleagues and friends. I mean, I just said one thing. You know, a lot of our stars from, from high school and college bowling who have spent most of their lives investing into the game that love the game quit when they get out of college. Now, these are people that are supposed to be hooked on bowling, and there's just nowhere for them to go. There's nothing for them to compete at uh, and to stay in shape. And bowl, league bowling used to be a lot of fun. It used to be really competitive, and the local stars were stars. You know, people knew who they were. People who knew who the high averages were in each center and who had the high average in the city. we got to get back to that to where there are local stars with look, people that have local credibility. Um, and, and, you know, and uh, draft leagues used to be big. So I think we need to look at all the areas that produce the excitement of local league bowling, again, competitive bowling, and look at all of the things, including credibility and scoring pace and all of that, that would bring that back. Because there's a feeling that we used to have in the bowl league. And, uh, you know, I understand that the world has changed and I understand that bowling has changed, but I think there's things out there in technology that would make the game better than it was even in its heyday that people would love. If we would just, everybody would have to take a step back and really ask themselves, what do we need to do? And then put a plan together and go forward. Well, Dalton, to your point, uh, Steve and myself spoke to a couple of collegiate players over the last year, and they've, they've told us, they said, we don't bowl league. If I want to go out and bowl, I'll go out and I'll throw five or six games during the day, or I'll go out and throw on when it's convenient for me, and I get more out of it. Because league, it's like you said, it, it's number one, it's a little bit cheaper, but you get a little bit more out of it. You're able to work on things, and it's actually truly practice. Where in league, it's not always, pr- I mean, we're, we're taught, and we're, as adults, we bowl league a lot of times to practice for tournaments and to, to work on things for the weekend, if that's our mindset. But is there something, is a condition, you know, I guess it goes back to what you said in, in some of your conversations with the folks at USBC and even, you know, some of the, the challenging patterns that you guys at Kegel have, have produced. Is there ever a day when you could see a, a more challenging, even not, you know, I know USBC tried with the, the, the red and white and blue type patterns and such, which have had limited success, I guess you could say. But do you ever see kind of something being more uniform among league shots where people know what they're getting in the PBA experience leagues and some of the Kegel Challenge leagues and stuff? I do, but I, but I also see in the future, I see changes in, in ball regulations. I see changes that are going to happen because we, as we continue to go down, people are going to have to, people will relinquish their stand when it comes to making money. And, and a lot of this is driven by that. A lot of this is driven by everybody. I mean, Kegel, Kegel sells products. You know, the more oil they put on the lane, the better we do. I mean, there's no question about that. So I think just as a natural way things happen, um, as this continues to diminish, 
um, people are going to try things and they're going to say, you know, what if we change this in the ball rules? What if we reduce the flare? What if, you know, what if we start, you know, John Davis always thought that the problem was the amount of oil on the lane. Um, you know, what if you made bowling balls last a little bit longer? Um, there's a lot of areas that when people get into bowling, they find out they don't like. And bowling on sport patterns, you know, for the average guy that may, may want to practice three games a week and bowl a league and then bowl their city tournament, I mean, that's the mainstay, right? The, that guy, sport conditions are confusing. The moves are completely different. They're completely different than when you learn in junior bowling. And then they find out, well, i got to have this ball for this and this ball for this. It's really confusing for that person that used to be the local guy that was, you know, averaged 195, and he was, he was a star. So there's a lot of areas, hurdles for people, you know, our age, our age that grew up in a bowling center. There's hardly any more people like that that loved bowling, hung out, got a job, you know, those, those, those days, I think, or that type of customer has kind of gone by the wayside. So you really need to look at the things that people don't like about league bowling and local bowling and say, you know, can we get rid of some of these, these things? Can we augment it to make the product better? Because in the end, it's a product. And people are trying it, and they're saying, you know what, I don't want to do this every week. You know, I'll do it twice a year, but I don't want to do it every week. So... It's the same thing as people choosing a sandwich or something, you know, or or a steak or something or a, a hot dog that they used to eat all the time that's changed and now they're eating something else. They're just making a choice, and we really have to look at that kind of stuff. And I I really believe the product could be better than it ever was with the things that we know today. Yeah, you you, you definitely bring up a lot of good points, and and we've actually uh, discussed that recently about you know the fact that some bowlers when they go on sport conditions um the very talented ones maybe their average is only five or six pins different uh from from their house shot pattern and then other bowlers are 40 pins or some even more than that different because again it's it can be a a confusing uh confusing thing and there's a lot to know uh, about that there's no doubt a final question i have for you Dell, and you probably wouldn't know this even though we've known each other for for many years now um but i was actually working at the Showboat Bowling Center in Las Vegas. I worked there in the pro shop uh, when you won the PBA doubles there with Joe Furpo in the late 80s. And uh, so, no, I, did, <laughs> so I, I didn't know bring that. It, up because it, was, it was one of my you know, coolest things of the year was getting to actually, you know, to be working there uh, at the Showboat. And I grew up bowling there as well whenever we had the Showboat Invitational in the winter. And then we had the doubles classic was there in the summer. So, and I got to assume that had to have been one of your uh, favorite moments uh, as a touring professional. Did, did you have any other good memories that really stood out to you uh, as far as for when you were competing on the tour? Oh, sure. Um, that moment was awesome because I got to do it with my best friend, Joe Furpo, and we grew up in the same junior program back at home. So, you know, you go from junior bowling and you win the, you know, the best title at the time in doubles with your buddy. I mean, what could be better than that? Um, mm-hmm. Bowling the Firestone, back when it was the Firestone and getting treated like a real athlete and a celebrity. Um, you know, they put my name up as one of the participants, you know, as a, a street sign. And they gave you cars for the week and they gave you special parking. And before every squad started, everybody was already seated and they, they shut the doors. So there was nobody going in and out. Um, the media stand after every round. Um, that, that tournament was unbelievable. The champion's dinner 
you know, just to being a part of that. And my first year I made the show there and came real close to winning, real close to winning. Um, I had as good a shot as anybody. And, uh, that when you were bowling Mark Baker on the show? Yeah. Well, there's, there's before that I went eight and oh Friday night in match play. And I wow. went from like 10th and if Marshall Holman opens because of the way the pinfall wrote and it was 30 bonus pins in the tent, I go around him and I go to the lead and wow. he leaves the two, four, he leaves the two, four, 10 and something comes out of the back and kicks the two, four forward or I leave the tournament. Right. So I don't, you know, I get to bowl one game instead of two. doesn't mean I'm going to win, but I do know that at that time in match play, I had never lost to Marshall Holman. I was something like 15 and 0 against him, including TV. So I was really confident, um, especially bowling him. And, uh, you know, I leave a ring 10 to lose to Mark on that, on that television show. And I, I asked for a re-rack and I didn't get it. And the three was closed off to the, to the head pin and I ring 10 and you can see me look at, um, you know, goose with a really, really not so good look. Um, but that was a hell of an experience. I, I'll tell you, I, I wish the kids today could experience the TOC, uh, the way it used to be, um, pack stands for people and dignitaries. And it was, it was just such a cool experience. Well, great stuff, uh, Del Warren. And I have to thank, on a personal note, I have to thank BowlingFan33 on YouTube because he's posted these great videos, and you can go and watch Del Warren bowl some matches, and you can see the guy who's coaching now at Weber University and the, the big shot over at Kegel, you can actually watch him bowl. So uh, I'd invite everyone to take a look <laughs> at that as well. But, Del, it's been a, a pleasure having you on, and uh, and want to thank you for joining us, and all the best of luck down there at Kegel and, uh, and of course, with Weber. Well, I, I so much appreciate what you guys do, um, and, and it really helps the education of there are so many people that love bowling and uh, um, just get a lot of great information uh, out there, and people can just be real on the show and, and, and say what's on their mind and, and, and really share a lot of ideas and stories, so really thanks a lot for what you guys do.